1: The question of why Britain went to war in the summer of 1914 is one of the most important in modern history. It is significant because once it made the decision, its empire was never the same again. It is significant because, at the time, very few in Britain either desired or expected war. It is significant because if it had not made the decision to go to war, the world we live in today would be a very, very different place. It is significant because the series of events that occurred before 1914, while appearing to us to have led Britain to war in some respects, could just as easily have been viewed as disparate events with no connection to the course that British history eventually took. It is significant because, as a question, it is one of the hardest to answer for a number of reasons, not least because it is so enmeshed in the other questions surrounding other countries in 1914 and their decisions to go to war. It is significant because, as a decision, it was so distinctly un-British, if we take into account the previous years of British foreign policy and Britain's isolation from continental affairs. Despite its importance, though, answering the question has been the subject of surprisingly few works, With notable exceptions found in the exceptional books and articles that I have had the pleasure of reading, Britain in 1914 has not been the subject of as many studies as one would think, considering its significance on world history. To appreciate its significance and importance as a question, it helps to imagine not having to answer it. In other words, what would have happened had Britain not gone to war in 1914? Would there even have been a First World War at all, or would it have been merely seen as an extension of the Franco-Prussian War of 1870? A foolish escalation of a rivalry that Europe couldn't possibly contain? Without the British ingredient, many historians attest to a Central Powers victory in late 1914, and a very different version of history because of that. Would this version of history have been worse than the version we ended up with? In particular, I cannot help but hear the words of revisionist historian John Charmley, who noted that the skies did not fall in, as he put it, in the German victory of 1871, and they wouldn't have fallen in were such a victory to have repeated itself in 1914. More recently, one of our own, Jordan Harbour of the Twilight Histories podcast, imagined a world where Germany had won the war and had entered a golden age of continental domination. In the process. Such attestations and views aside, another problem one may have with the question of why Britain went to war in 1914 is that they find it difficult to understand the genuine issues and context of an era which they cannot help but feel disconnected from. Whatever country you live in now, whatever admiration you have for the worlds that existed before your time, it is difficult to fully appreciate that the individuals who made the decisions in 1914 were real people struggling with deeply complex issues. To solve this problem, what I propose is that we go back. Not all the way back, to the beginning, but back to a certain watershed moment in British history, Queen Victoria's Diamond Jubilee. By tracing the major events, by investigating the major issues, characters, hopes, dreams, plans and problems of this era from 1897 to 1914, I feel like I will be able to paint an accurate picture of that critical time period. By completing such an exercise, hopefully, you will feel more in tune with its issues, more appreciative of the nuances of its characters and more able to grasp the importance of its varied events. The people of 1914 did not know in late summer that they were living through such a significant time. They did not know that their lives were being lived at the beginning of the most terrible, bloody, and important century in human history. They did not know that upon their decision to make war, the British Empire would never be the same, and that, far from jubilant and victorious, it would cease to resemble its past glories by the time of the next serious test two decades on. Though certainly some believed with frightening accuracy that the coming war would result in a monstrous slaughter, as Tsar Nicholas of Russia famously predicted, there was no suggestion that the war would so alter the world as it did, or that by entering the war, the Tsar would destroy his power and empire in the space of less than four years. Similarly, did Sir Edward Grey famously announce that the lamps were about to go out across Europe, and that no one would see them lit in their lifetimes? Though statesmen of the era were certainly not innocent of hyperbole, it is worth noting at the same time that, as bad as they thought it would be, it was above their imagination to suppose that the First World War, simply the war to them, would so shape their world as it did. If we accept that idea, then just imagine how impossible it would have been to foresee what was in store for Britain in 1897, upon the celebration of the most prosperous and magnificently successful queen that they had ever experienced, that their empire would indeed crumble like all the others? This important fact, that the Britons living in the period 1897-1914 to didn't and couldn't know what was to come, requires reiteration, because it sets us up for one of the most fundamental aims of this project, ascertaining what Britain was really like before it went to war in 1914. I know that sounds like a vague aim, and in many ways it is, but I truly believe that 1914 cannot be answered without placing your mind and body in the era that preceded it. That was why in the last episode I tried to capture the shock and awe that would have greeted anyone were they to be transported, by whatever means, to a world where the British Empire didn't exist. In 1897, the British Empire was not simply seen as the latest in a series of Imperial overlords upon the world stage. To its citizens it was their source of pride, but to the rest of the world, their cause for envy and emulation. No other power then, before, or since, has ever, or perhaps will ever, claim what Britain at its height of empire did. 400 million subjects and a quarter of the globe under its jurisdiction. Understanding that Britain expected its painting to remain on the wall, in that gallery of fate, all alone in its all-encompassing power, is one critical step. Understanding why it made the decision to go to war expecting both consequences as well as great bounties is another. You could define this project as a window into one of the most critical periods of history in the early modern era. It also boasts a serious mixture of themes, concerns, and actions that alone grant the era significance. From 1897 to 1914, Britain went from isolation, to alliance-making, to a member of an entente. It went from a certain position as the economic and naval powerhouse, to having to defend such positions from upstarts. It went from politically aligned in one direction to another, and then began to drift back again. Its Irish question, a seriously troubling aspect of its existence, and a continual cause for concern, went from a deferred problem to an open wound and back again, twice, while its sense of imperial security went from assured to in doubt to threatened to assured to in doubt to threatened, over and over and over again. My sincere wish, and my major reason for going from 1897 rather than just 1914, is that you all appreciate the fact that such an era has to be experienced to be understood. The empire looked very different in 1914 compared to its 1897 self. Any statesman or historian worth his salt would want to know why this was so, just as surely as that virtual character from 1897 that you played in the last episode wanted to know what had happened by 2012 to cause Britain to lose her empire and lose her painting from the wall. In my opinion, upon which rests the whole legitimacy of this project, I suppose, you simply cannot appreciate all the complex issues that culminated in 1914 without seeing them in their genesis in the years before. You cannot grow attached and thereby appreciate the motives of the statesmen and officials of 1914 without seeing the beginnings of their political careers or the critical moments that established their innermost principles. The transformation of Europe in the years before 1897 and 1914 deserves explanation and analysis if the outbreak of the war is to be at all understood in its full impact and significance. That Britain was close to being torn apart by civil war, that the World War itself was so very uninevitable, that a significant movement within Britain existed to oppose any suggestion of, not only war in 1914, but also of an alliance with France in the years before, These are critical side-notes to accompany this story and the central significance and importance of that story would be lost without them. British statesmen in 1914 did believe they were taking a gamble, but they did not really think that the war would ruin their empire's finances, cost it millions of men and diminish its ability to project its power across the world. This was because they had lived through the Victorian era. Most knew Britain as the first among powers, with an empire united in ideas and interest. Within the sixty years Queen Victoria had ruled Britain, Britain had expanded across continents like an incurable, glorious rash. Its railroads snaked along with it from city to city, and great ambitions continued to be elaborated upon in places like South America and further in Asia, where London's writ did not yet run as totally as in other areas. British statesmen would not have risked all this had they not thought it necessary. The First World War can be seen as the culmination of numerous factors in the era, as a catastrophic mistake that should have been avoided, as the result of the decisions of a few awful men, or as the combination of all three. But in any case, we cannot explain the war unless we understand the world that housed it. Unless we understand the crises that came before July 1914, how can we understand why the British statesman dealt with that July crisis as he did? Unless we understand the psyche of the men that steered the ship of state in the years before, we cannot understand their state of mind when they were called upon to make such monumental decisions. Unless we appreciate the political, social and diplomatic circumstances of the era, its contradictions and secrets, we cannot appreciate how both unlikely and unwanted the First World War actually was and thus how incredible it was that Britain intervened at all. The story of how Britain goes to war can only be understood then by examining the 17 years before she took the plunge. These 17 years in between are ones of transformation, change, militarism, concern, consolidation, neglect, respect, and fear. They define the period as one in which Britain had a leading role, and thus make it essential for us as historians to properly understand it. The First World War would certainly have appeared far different, and in fact may have been called something else entirely had Britain not intervened. That issue of alternative history is one we'll also cover, but perhaps the most important lesson I wish to impart from this special is that of context. It is impossible to launch into a detailed examination of the outbreak of the war without first explaining how Britain got to that point, far the best place to start from is when Britain was experiencing its very highest peak in power and prestige, in the final years of the Victorian era and of its old policies. You may think you know the story of why Britain went to war. You may not believe that it is as significant a question as I claim it to be, or that to find the answers I don't need to begin this ambitious behemoth of a project that I am trying to lay out before you. To all of you I would ask for your patience. Britain overnight did not lose its empire. It didn't even lose it after the First World War. In fact, it acquired an even larger empire than before. However, the costs of emerging from the war ensured that this empire was simply not on par with what had come before. The painting was still on the wall in the 1920s, 30s and 40s, but it was cracked and tarnished, having lost much of its sheen. It is often claimed that the true decline of the empire was precipitated by the First World War, and that subsequent events only provided the catalyst for its eventual fall. This is to be the story of Britain before the decline, imbued with more raw energy and power than ever before, yet unknowingly poised on the precipice of disaster. This is the story of British statesmen and politicians experiencing the pre-war world, winning elections, conducting diplomacy, enforcing principles, combating rivals, courting allies, expanding borders, and establishing boundaries. This is the story of the world from the point of view of the most resplendent imperial power ever seen in history, of an opulence, pomp, and reach superior by far to all of its rivals. This is the story of the world you imagined yourself within in the last episode, and how in the space of seventeen years it became something completely different. As the curator of this gallery, I have examined the stories of how other empires rose and fall. I have judged them to be then unworthy and thus took their pictures off the wall. The British painting, so glorious and magnificent, more so than all the others, deserved its pride of place upon that wall in 1897. I cannot help but be fascinated by that empire's conduct and course. Yet I also recognise that I have a responsibility to properly represent it. I would have taken the painting down well before 2012 without question, and I would have replaced it with other paintings of other nations that by that date had surpassed Britain in power, wealth, energy and influence. This project will help explain why I, or any other neutral onlooker, would have had to behave in such a way. This project will help explain why the unthinkable, as far as the late Victorian era statesman was concerned, happened. This is the story of how Britain goes to war, from 1897 to 1914.
0: Hold up!